0: The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of a big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. The first line from Gordon Lightfoot's melancholic ballad The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, which tells the tragic story of the sinking of that famed ship in Lake Superior. But what Lightfoot so melodically put into song, didn't really tell the whole story. A tale of misfortune and mistake that would would make a superstitious person conclude that the ship was doomed before she weighed anchor on her last fated voyage. The five great lakes, Superior, Michigan, Huron, Erie, and Ontario of North America, are the largest group of freshwater lakes on earth, containing a mind-blowing 21% Of the world's entire supply of fresh water. The voyage from the western end of Lake Superior to Kingston, Ontario on the eastern end of Lake Ontario is over 1,000 miles. Of the five lakes, Superior is by far the largest. It's the second largest freshwater lake in the world after Russia's Lake Baikal. Superior stretches 350 miles east to west from Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan to Duluth, Minnesota and 160 miles wide, north to south, from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan to the Ontario shore. It has a surface area of over 31,000 square miles, and a maximum depth of 1,333 feet. And if you're wondering, no, it's not the deepest lake in the United States, or Canada. That would be the Great Slave Lake in Northwest Territories at 2,015 feet deep, and Crater Lake, a national park of my personal list to visit, in Oregon of 1,949 feet depth. Superior is so large with a volume of more than 2,900 cubic miles of water. Hydrologists have determined that the residence time of water in that lake is 191 years, which is determined by dividing the lake volume by the flow in and out of the lake. When the first French explorers discovered Lake Superior from the south via Lake Huron in the 1600s, they named it Le Lac Superior, meaning the upper lake, being further north than the other lakes in the system. It wasn't a statement on its size because at that time, of course, when they named it, they had no idea how large it was. But by the time that the British took possession of most of the eastern half of North America at the end of the French and Indian War in 1763, the cartographers had more than a rudimentary understanding of the lake's vastness, and the name superior stuck as an apt description of the lake's size. The Ojibwa people, also known as the Chippewa, who lived along the shores of the lake called it Gichigami, which means great water. So, Lake Superior is actually an accurate translation of the aboriginal Ojibwa name, although I kind of wish they'd have stuck with Gishigami. The name Gichigumi, as it was pronounced by Lightfoot and most Canadians and Americans for the past 150 years, came from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's poem, The Song of Hiawatha, published in 1855, which is a Native American Romeo and Juliet story in which Longfellow wrote the name as he heard it said, probably from the American ethnographer and Indian agent, his friend, Henry Rose Schoolcraft. Now there's a fascinating guy, Schoolcraft. They don't teach you about him in school, and I need... I will tell you, he's one of the most interesting people in American history of the United States, anyway. I need to do a segment on him. He's a fantastically interesting figure, but anyway, that's another show and another story. In 1855, the Sioux Locks were engineered, bypassing the rapids at Sioux Saint Marie between Superior and Huron, and when they opened, iron ore from Minnesota's Mesabi Range began to be shipped to the steel mills back east. The voyage on Superior was always a danger. The legend that Lightfoot spoke of in his song, and that the Ojibwa warned of, was that the lake was unforgiving. She took what she wanted. During recorded history, that is since the Europeans arrived in the area, there have been over 6,000 shipwrecks taking more than 30,000 lives. Superior is known to be the most treacherous among the five lakes, mostly due to the west-to-east orientation of its shape, and when strong gales come out of the west and hit the waters There's nothing to break the waves for more than 300 miles. And it seems that November is the worst month on the lake. In 1913, a single storm on November 13th sank 12 ships, taking 250 lives. The great blizzard of November 11th, 1940 sank two ships and killed 46 people. But the most famous wreck of all time occurred in 1975. The SS Edmund Fitzgerald had a star-crossed life. The 17-year-old craft had ran aground once, collided with lock walls twice, lost an anchor another time, and suffered structural damage on two previous voyages. On the day she pulled out for her last, she had two damaged hatches. She left port from Superior, Wisconsin, across the lake at the western end of Superior from Duluth at 2.15 in the afternoon on November 9th, en route to a steel mill near Detroit, Michigan. On board, she carried a cargo of more than 26,000 tons of taconite iron ore. At 5 p.m., the Fitzgerald joined a second freighter, the Arthur Anderson, sailing out of Two Harbors, Minnesota. The weather forecast was not unusual for that time of year, with the National Weather Service predicting that a storm would pass just south of the lake the next morning on November 10th. At 7 p.m., the forecast changed. It called for gale-force winds from the northwest. The Fitzgerald and the Anderson hugged the Ontario shore, hoping to find shelter from the northwest earlies. Just past midnight, the ships reported 60-mile-per-hour winds and 10-foot waves. At 3 a.m., the faster ship, the Fitzgerald, pulled away from the Anderson. As dawn rose, the wind speed dropped for a bit, and through the early morning, Wind direction shifted from first the northeast, then the south, then back to the northwest. At 2 in the afternoon, the winds picked up again, back to 60 miles per hour. By 3 o'clock, it began to blow a heavy snow, reducing visibility. The Anderson then lost sight of the Fitzgerald's lights when it pulled away 16 miles ahead. At 3.30 p.m., the captain of the Fitzgerald, Ernest McSorley, radioed the Anderson that they were taking on water and that the bilge pups were unable to keep up and that the ship was beginning to list. Soon after that, they lost their radar. Without radar and the blinded visibility, the Fitzgerald slowed down to wait for the Anderson to catch up and soon did. The captain of the Anderson reporting that he could see the lights once more. Both ships were by that time at the eastern end of Lake Superior, near Whitefish Point. But McSorley reported on the radio that he couldn't see the lighthouse there, and he radioed asking if it was operational. He received an answer around 5 p.m. as it was growing dark that, yes, the lighthouse was on. But he reported back that he still couldn't see it. McSorley then radioed, I have a bad list, and I've lost both radars, and I am taking heavy seas over the deck. This is one of the worst seas I have ever been in. There were reported sustained waves of over 20 feet, with rogue waves of more than 35. The Anderson reported gust winds of 85 miles per hour. The last communication from the Fitzgerald came at 7.10 p.m. on November 10, 1975, when McSorley radioed, We are holding our own. Then the Anderson lost sight of the Fitzgerald's lights, and then came the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? 29 lives were lost that day, and Superior, it's said, never gives up her dead when the gales of November come early. From the shores of Gichigami, where the Ojibwa paddled their birchbark canoes, to the French voyageurs, to the British explorers, to the American pioneers, the cargo ships, the steel ships, and those who have gone down and those who have safely sailed to port, there's always been a sentinel. There on the north shore of the Great Lake, some mighty, mighty cliffs rising above the water, just 11 miles northeast of Two Harbors, Minnesota, where the Anderson pulled out to meet the Fitzgerald on that fated voyage. The early navigators of the lake thought the cliffs looked like a castle, and because of the treacherous shoals that were there, it was considered hazardous to pass too closely to those rocks. Those rocks who have stood witness to countless voyages on the big lake they call Gichigumi, that big rock on the north shore. That the sailors and voyagers called Castle Danger. This is episode forty seven.
1: Welcome to the Brews Traveler, exploring the craft beer scene across North America, one craft brewery at a time. And now here's your host, the man who gets more MPP,
2: that's miles per pint, than anybody, Alan Tatman.
0: Hello everybody, and thank you for finding us out here in the podcasting universe. I am Alan Tatman, and welcome to the Brews Traveler. Wherever you are, I hope it's cooler and not as humid as it is here. On the banks of the muddy Missouri River... It's been scorching here this week uh, in Jeff City, so the best thing to do is to grab an nice cold frosty one, find a cool spot, and just wait for September. <laughs> Although, uh, according to my uh, meteorologist friend, Mr. Zach Paul, some of this humidity should be moving out of here. We're going to start getting some relief from these temperatures. But, you know, it is summertime. It is Missouri. I still don't understand why my Irish and Northern European ancestors thought that settling in this part of the world was a good idea. <laughs> of course, someone might say, you, you know, you could have left at any time, and yes, I know, I could have, I, and I did, I left many times. It just kept pulling me back, you know, just I kept being called home. This is home, and I, uh, I love my state, and uh, I just hate the summers here, honestly. Love fall. I don't mind winter. Spring's lovely. Summers here can be oppressive. But, you know, if I had left and I had resettled, one of the places that I most certainly would have wanted to live, and I still do, at least in the summertime, would be in Minnesota, somewhere northeast of Duluth, in a little town along the shores of Lake Superior. You know, close enough to the Boundary Waters Canoe Wilderness that I could get there in like a half hour if I wanted. Maybe 45 minutes. A town like Two Harbors, where uh, this episode's interview comes from. Where I sat down with Matty Stewart, the marketing director of Castle Danger Brewing Company, a fantastic little brewery in the Northland. Well, I shouldn't say little. They're making over 20,000 barrels of beer a year. It's one of the most charming little shoreside towns with absolutely I will I guarantee you this one of the best municipal campgrounds as far as views and campsites is concerned where I have ever stayed. Go over to the Facebook page right now and look at the campsite that I had on the shore of Lake Superior. That's the Bruce Traveller Facebook page at the Bruce Traveller podcast. Go over there right now look at that campsite that I had. Oh man, it was the best one I've ever had. It was absolutely glorious. It was phenomenal. So anyway, my conversation with Maddie was very timely because Castle Danger, which was a small brewery, is now becoming a rather a larger one, is facing a dilemma regarding marketing and sales that sooner or later is going to affect a lot of craft breweries in Minnesota, and I'll let her tell you about it. Also, it was timely because this coming weekend is Castle Danger Brewing's 8th anniversary celebration there in Two Harbors at the tap room and the brewery. And I'm certain it will be a blast. I wish I was going to be there, but I'm here in the heat. So anyway, I'll tell you more about what's going on with that on the other side of the interview. Tony and I had a conversation about family-friendly tap rooms and brew pubs. Now this is, I won't say, a controversy so much as it is A mild disagreement among some patrons of craft breweries. So we've got that for you. But first, I've been going up to the North Shore of Lake Superior for 33 years. 14 times I've been up there in the last 33 years and I love it up there. And if somehow or another Marilee and I became independently wealthy and we could spend our summers wherever we wanted, I'd lobby very, very hard for Minnesota, up Highway 61, along the North Shore, and I know if we did live up there, we'd have a great little brewery to hang out at in Two Harbors, Minnesota. And So here it is, Maddie Stewart of Castle Danger Brewing Company, and this is your interview of the week. Ah, that's good. Coming to you live from the balmy shores of Lake Superior. I've been coming up here for 30 plus years, folks, and I've never seen it near 90 degrees until this trip. And I'm here with Maddie Stewart. She's the marketing and events coordinator for one of the best beers on the North Shore, one of the best craft breweries, Castle Danger Brewing in Two Harbors, Minnesota. Maddie, thanks for taking time out of your day to sit down with the Brews Traveler.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: How long have you uh, been with Castle Danger?
1: I've been with Castle Danger for it'll be three years in September.
0: Now, how did you come to uh, the marketing end in um, in craft beer?
1: In craft beer, it's fun to pair two of your loves together and have it be your career. Um, I am from Northern Wisconsin and so beer has always been important to me, being from Wisconsin, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Um, and it was uh, opportunity presented itself when I moved to Duluth, Minnesota, and I still live in Duluth, but I drive up the beautiful highway to two harbors every day.
0: It's a pretty drive, not a bad commute.
1: No, not a bad commute at all, so I have a blast every day being able to do what I do best for a company that sells beer.
0: What did you do? directly before you came here? Were you in the marketing industry before?
1: I was in the marketing industry and then I tried my hand in sales for yeah. a little bit um, and it was not for me. Right, right. <laughs> but um, this is a much better fit and it's it's great to be surrounded with great people. It's always, family-run business. It's
0: always easier to sell something that you're passionate about. Oh
1: yeah, Absolutely. yep.
0: <laughs> How did uh, Castle Danger get started? What, eight years ago, you were telling me?
1: Yeah, eight years in 2011. um, It's kind of that classic story of a homebrew situation where Clint and Jamie McFarlane, they lived up in Castle Danger, um, Minnesota, which is a little township just shy of Gooseberry Falls.
3: Right. And
1: um, Clint started homebrewing in their garage, and he was on a three-barrel system, Which is very small. Right. Um, Nano. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And he just loved brewing beer and started taking courses and learning about it. And started producing beer for people going up the shore um, and just selling out of growlers, essentially. So our first day of business was March 1st, 2011. And all we would do is sell growlers on Fridays and Saturdays for people going up the shore. They'd be able to stop in, go down this winding gravel road. and. Um, find the garage and see our logo right there and it was great um and then we significantly grew as people found us and loved our beer and started drinking us
0: i think the first my first introduction i was 2015 Mm -hmm. i was up on the gun flint at trail center Mm -hmm. and uh they had your beer in cans i and i, I believe it was the cream, the cream ale and yeah. i tried it out it was absolutely delicious yeah. and uh, uh right now i'm drinking your uh what is this the nordic yes. this is your mm-hmm. twist on kind of a sati, sati style, style with yep. juniper rye yep. and uh but it's uh it's really good it's refreshing uh as a lager and uh it's not overly uh piney yeah which a lot of a lot of guys, they uh, they get, they, get a, they take it a little heavy-handed.
1: But, yep, yeah. Uh,
0: I was in uh, I was in Norway mm-hmm. uh, last uh, September, and so I had I drank a number of these. Oh, nice. The the, the style, and this is quite comparable. It's very oh. nice.
1: Great, thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm
0: gonna have another drink. Oh
1: sure, Nordic is one of our um, our most popular taproom series beers so we have our year rounds our seasonals which come out okay let's let's
0: let's talk about your Mm -hmm. portfolio uh cream ale is still i i'm assuming your number one seller
1: yep cream ale is our number one sale a seller it is uh statewide pretty much in every liquor store that you go into you're probably going to find a Mm cream ale six pack um and it's it's a great beer for us we love it we kind of equate it to the um, Spotted Cow of Minnesota, you know, right. just like a light sipper, um, if we could ever be, you know, as large as New Glarus and Spotted Cow, but we we love cream ale, and a lot of people love cream ale, and right. it's just great that that beer has propelled our growth and our the spread of our Dangerously Good Ales around the state. Um,
0: what other package do you sell outside of on-premise here?
1: So, um, we sell in cans, and in kegs half barrel six barrel kegs Uh and um we also do 16 ounce cans for like venues and golf okay are there
0: are any specific brands or all are any it could possibly be any beer that you've you've made here
1: so we can our year rounds and our seasonals okay what are your year rounds yeah so it's castle cream right um and then ode ipa oh yeah i had that last night yeah really good yeah Um, And then 177 Pale Ale. Okay. So that's more of an American Pale Ale style. A little bit fruitier, um, more citrusy. And then uh, North Shore Lager, which is our newest um, year-round. That's an amber amber lager. Kind of a take on a Vienna-style lager. Okay. Um, And that one's really an easy sipper. We released that in January of this year. So that's a great one. um, And that's new for people who haven't tried it. And then George Hunter Stout. So okay. um, that was a seasonal, and then we just knew that people really were asking for it all year round, and
0: where'd the name George Hunter come from?
1: So George Hunter was an Irish immigrant, um, and he lived in Tower, Minnesota, and actually opened and operated an Iron Range Brewing Company, which was pre-prohibition, and so. Um, that's George Hunter is Clint McFarland's our founder. It's his great oh. great grandfather. Oh, very nice. So it's kind of an ode oh to George. Yep. 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 Yeah.
0: So why did Jamie and Clint decide on two harbors yeah. for the
1: brewery? Definitely. So once we started selling out of growlers quickly at our location in Castle Danger and this was around 2013, we were thinking about growing. They were like, yeah, we kinda of wanna make this a big deal, not just a home brew project. And so uh, they moved to two harbors um, and started opening this taproom and brewing facility in 20, 2013, 2014. And that was one of the coldest years on record and right. we did construction through the winter, right. and opened in the springtime um, or in the summer. And we, Jamie and Clint have always been from the North Shore. They are both from Two Harbors, Castle Danger area. They wanted to stay here. They wanted to invest in the local economy and just bring people to Two Harbors and show them what a great little city it is. Oh, it is.
0: And it's ideally situated. You're, you're only 25 miles from Duluth, Mm -hmm. if that far. Yeah. And so it gets a lot of weekend traffic out of Duluth and, uh. It's a beautiful town. We stayed last night at uh, the municipal campground, yes. Burlington mm-hmm. Bay, right on the lake. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Was just, you know, with the sunset, it was beautifully. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Two Harbors is. I think it's it's kind of overlooked. I don't know. I've. I mean, I've been coming up here for like I said, thirty plus years. Two Harbors was just a place that you went through mm-hmm. to get to Grand Marais. Yeah, you know? right. Yep. But it, it has a lot to offer, and I was telling, I was telling Ray, I was like, you know, I, I'm going to try to spend more time here, and I think next year we we have a, a little club where there's uh, some other couples, and we all have RVs, mm-hmm. and uh, we went to Door County. Yep. You, which yep. you're probably very familiar <laughs> with, being a Wisconsinite. Yep. Uh, we went to door county this year in june and i think next year we're going to try to come up here
1: yeah Yeah. definitely so
0: yeah two harbors it's a it's a great little town
1: it is yeah we love it
0: the name castle danger i yeah. tell tell uh tell our listeners how sure. uh, they came up with this
1: so castle danger is um like i said it's a it's a right. m- township that's just shy of gooseberry falls when you're going up the shore right back in the day Um, On Lake Superior, they didn't have like radars or sonars or anything like that, Um, so they couldn't really tell. They had to use geographical markers as warning signs when they were getting too close to the shore or if there was something in the water, Um, you know, and Gooseberry has the, there's the lighthouse, the Split Rock lighthouse, you know. Um, But they would see these big rock formations out just shy of Gooseberry near Castle Danger. Um, and they they called it Castle Danger because they looked like castles right. coming out of the water. Right. And they associated that with danger. And so that's how, like, Castle Danger right. became to be. And we, just from being from there um, and just having this as our, our backyard, thought it would be a really great brewery name.
0: It's a cool name. Yeah. yeah. Castle Danger. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's a cool name. Yeah. So, eight years now. Mm-hmm. How many barrel brew house?
1: We're on a 30 barrel brew house system okay. now. So we went from a three to a 30. Right? Yeah.
0: And what's annual production approximately?
1: In 2018, we produced 23,500 barrels of wow. beer. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, we're the fifth largest craft brewery in the state, production-wise. Are you
0: just in Minnesota, or are you distributing outside of Minnesota?
1: We are just in Minnesota, uh-huh. and then select border towns. So, okay. Fargo, North Dakota, All right. Superior, Wisconsin. All right. um, we just moved into Ashland and Bayfield right. this last spring.
0: Which is not, for those of you who are not familiar with the geography up here, that's not very far away. No. no. Yep.
1: It's, I mean, it's right across the lake from yeah. us, so yeah. Yeah. Um, there was uh, they really really were jonesing for our beer in that area and we share share ashore with them right. so
0: so you've been here just what, what over three years you said
1: just three yeah. just three
0: years personally for you what's been the best day you ever had at Castle Danger yeah, yeah.
1: Um, it's hard to it's obviously a it's hard to choose but I would say The anniversary party last year was a pretty great day.
0: What is the anniversary date?
1: So that's, um, it is technically our anniversary is March 1st, Mm because that's when we started as a business. But when we moved and opened this facility Mm -hmm. in Two Harbors, that was like the third weekend in August. And so every year around the third weekend in August, we have an anniversary celebration. It's beautiful weather. I mean, we'd rather party in August than party in March. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so um, it's a very long day for all of us here, but we have thousands of people who come it's a free party we do specialty infusions there's food trucks there's live music all day um and i was emceeing the whole thing up on stage doing raffles and giving out prizes to people and just making people happy and it was a really really great day
0: do you know what you, uh what the dates will be for this year yep
1: 16th and 17th of august right. yeah yeah
0: is there something about this industry that uh since you've been involved with it that kind of surprised you?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm really, I guess, empowered is the a better word for what I'm going for here. Um, from a woman's perspective and an outsider's perspective, you think the beer industry is just men. And it is male-heavy and male-dominated. And you are working with a beverage that mostly has been more geared towards a male demographic and you just have that it has that vibe to it entering in well after coming into the industry there are so many powerful women working as brewers as owners two of our owners are women um, in our tap rooms behind the scenes marketing sales um, and going to conferences in denver and duluth we've got a conference coming up here this friday um, having women lead sessions, um, just because they are they are the experts in that field. Right. So it's really it is really cool. It's a really cool industry to be a part of because it's growing so fast. It's so specific uh, to so many different things, and um, it's it's great that the the industry not that it's changing, but it's allowing for more work between men and women, more equality, more fairness across all.
0: What challenges does uh, do you foresee in the marketing world uh, for Castle Danger and perhaps uh, the industry as a whole?
1: So right now, it's uh, actually a good time to be talking to us. Uh, so we pretty much have a, a deadline coming up. Where we're no longer going to be able to sell growlers out of our tap room here in Two Harbors. Okay. Because there's a Minnesota state law that caps breweries, craft breweries, producing over 20,000 barrels of beer a year that they can no longer sell any off sale from their tap room. Um, and so that's definitely going to be a challenge for us as it's kind of how we got a start and how people fell in love with us going up the shore grabbing a growler. Right. It's 30% of our taproom revenue. Um, not of our total revenue, but of our taproom revenue. Right. But growlers actually only take up 0.5% of our total beer produced. Wow. So it's a big hit. We, we really got down to the capital and we're trying to make some change this past session, but a no liquor legislation was moved forward. So we're working hard in the off season to go back to the table in 2020 we are the only brewery um, of this like I guess new wave of breweries who are approaching that 20,000 barrel limit um, because obviously Shells, August Shells, Summit, Fulton, Surly, all of those breweries can't sell growlers because they're producing way way more than that right. um, but like Ben Paddle, our friends at Ben Paddle, Indeed Brewing, Lipsbridge Brewing, we're all nearing this nearing twenty thousand yeah. barrel limit, um, but we're the first that are actually going to lose it. Right. Um, and we renew our license October first, and yeah. on October first, we will no longer be able to sell growlers. So
0: that's that's a deadline. That's coming very soon. What what's the the legislative session that won't open until after the first of the year? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, but it's a
1: biennium, yeah. so everything that was right. up in 2019 will be up again in 2020. Okay. So everything, right. they're aware of the bills, right. the bill numbers will stay the same. What's, so,
0: yeah. what, coming from a government town in Jefferson City, a mm-hmm. capital town, uh, I don't know how this stuff goes. <laughs> what, what's the prognosis? What, what do the brewers think? Are they optimistic that this is going to go through? I mean, I, I, it would be silly not to, because it just does nothing more than raise revenue for, for towns like this. Yeah. You know?
1: So, there we are uh, positive. We're cautiously positive. Um, right. We were saying, you know, we're optimistic it'll change for this year, and then it didn't happen. And it was a bit of a reality check. Like, things just aren't always easy, no. even if you want them. And the logic is presenting one way. Um, but it's... Uh, we are hopeful, um, and we have a lot of people on our side, and we're working with the opposition that we will be able to make some changes in the 2020 session.
2: Great.
1: We would love to have a no cap. Just anyone who wants to sell growlers can, because um, we're actually double capped. So it's the annual barrelage of 20,000, but also there's a cap of 750 barrels from your tap room. So you cannot sell, even if that 20,000 barrel cap was eliminated we would still only be able to sell 750 barrels of beer out of our taproom.
0: I just don't understand these rules and how they came to be. I mean, I, like I said, it, we had a very, very hard time in the state of Missouri getting craft beer laws mm-hmm. in place and changed because I own, we own a craft beer bar. Yep.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, but I've seen I've since 2000, so I've seen this arc of change happen, and it was slow. And I know in Missouri, what happened was, is that there are a lot of these smaller breweries in these smaller communities. They got these state reps and these state senators behind them. It's like, look, this is money for my, my, my constituents. Yeah. And that's, I think that's how things are going to have to move here for you guys. Cause that's just, it's just silly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just silly. I know. We're working really closely with our chamber. There's a lot of negotiating room. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like we said, there, there is that second cap of 750 barrels. Right. But no production brewery in Minnesota has ever gotten close to selling that much and off sale from their tap room. So we'd be okay with keeping that one, but raising the other one or eliminating it. You know, there's but, there's wiggle room. But still, but what's, like, why? What's, why? Yeah. what's
0: the purpose? I mean, yeah. I mean. You know, every sale, every sale you make is bringing more tax revenue to your community, to the state. Yeah. I mean, it's just. It, it, you know, I. It's like, is it because of the, the? Is it because there's a Pentecostal church in the neighborhood that no. doesn't want anybody <laughs> to drink? Or they all? It's it, like you know, I used to say you know, it used to be we couldn't have, we couldn't do, we couldn't be open on Sundays. Sundays. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Except there were seven magic Sundays. Yeah. We could be open. Yeah. Right. We could be open on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. We could be open on St. Patrick's Day if it fell on a Sunday, the Sunday before Memorial Day, su- Sunday of the fourth of July fell on it, mm-hmm. Sunday before Labor Day, Sunday of Halloween fell on it, yeah. Uh, and Money days. Uh, yeah, 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 and Sunday New Year's mm-hmm. Eve. Those were the seven magic Sundays. Cause that didn't make God cry.
2: Yeah.
0: If we were open then. It, so it, it's it's
2: just it's, it is, just, it's yeah.
0: ridiculous.
1: So in Minnesota, it, we're, and it, and yeah, it, you know,
0: and it 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 hurts the most vulnerable businesses and the smaller towns. Yeah,
1: we see growlers as a marketing tool for Two Harbors and for Absolutely. the North Shore, and just for the craft industry in general. So we're hoping it changes. Um, a lot of this, the opposition is with the three-tiered system in Minnesota. Right. So there's the producer, the distributor, and the retailer. So yeah. it's a balanced system, and we, we like playing within that system. Obviously, we would well, be nowhere without our distributors, distributors right
0: Distributors, uh, they play play important Yeah. Part. So. All right. so you've got the anniversary party coming up here in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. What else is coming down the line for Castle
1: Danger? Definitely. Uh, we just released a new beer on Friday, which is a Hefeweizen. Okay. Um, it's our first dab at a Hef, And I am not a huge fan of Hefe's, personally, but I love it. It's a super good zipper. It's great in the summertime. Well, I'll have um,
0: one before I get out. Yeah, of
1: here. definitely. And so it, that's a fun new beer release. We do beer releases. There are taproom series beers, um, which are primarily sold at our taproom, and just select Locations around Uh the state only on tap not canned right and so we'll have that um, Coming out or that is coming out and then the anniversary obviously is one of our biggest Biggest events. It is our biggest event event of the year And so we just invite anyone no matter where you're from Minnesota, Wisconsin, no matter where we welcome all to our anniversary Um, That's again the 16th and 17th So we'll have music on Friday night and then all day Saturday of August Uh, We'll be at the Minnesota State Fair. We've got some special beers going down to the Minnesota State Fair.
0: What are the dates on that?
1: Oh, that's like the last full week of August, and then it ends on Labor Day. Okay. Yeah. So that's a big, I mean, like anything fried on a stick and having a dangerously good ale. Is that in St. Paul? Yep. 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 So
0: you people that live in northern Iowa that listen to us Mm -hmm. and in, uh, in central Wisconsin, there if you want to get some Castle Danger head over to St. Paul for the Minnesota State Fair.
1: Yeah, special Any, special beers there. Special beers yeah.
0: that you won't be able to get anywhere outside of Minnesota and the State Fair. Yeah. Anything else, Maddie, that you'd like to tell our listeners?
1: Uh, just if you're in Minnesota, um, definitely stay tuned about the Growler information. Okay. That's something that we're hitting
0: hard and, right
2: now. And, yeah.
0: And I would say this: if you are a Minnesota resident and you're listening yeah. to this, write your legislators, write your state legislators, and tell them how you don't think this is a fair law. Yeah. yeah. It's because it's not.
1: No, it's not. Right. And it's it's easy to find their information online. It's right. super easy to call them. I've called them multiple times. It's it's not scary. They want to hear from you. they right. they represent right. you and. Um, there's even a script on our website if you're a little shy or haven't called before. There you go. So and what is that website? It's just castledangerbrewery.com. There you Easy go. Easy to remember. Yep.
0: There you are. Maddie Stewart, thanks so much.
1: Thank you. For,
0: for sitting down and talking with us. Oh, yes. Cheers. Cheers.
1: <laughs> and that's it.
0: Thanks again to Maddie and the staff that I visited with the night before our interview for their hospitality. And I hope that their eighth anniversary celebration this weekend goes off like a bang. I tell you, they've got a great schedule aligned out starting Friday afternoon, going through Saturday night. Live music, lawn games, specialty brews, and fusions, food trucks, and a special raffle to benefit the Lake County Humane Society. See, I knew I liked these people. They love dogs and cats and pets too. So go celebrate eight years of great beer on the north shore of Lake Superior if you're living here in central Missouri, folks, it's only like a 12-hour drive. I'm not that far. You know, you can be there no time at all. <laughs> Go huh? Go up there and enjoy Castle Danger Brewing. Located at number 17 7th Street in Two Harbors, Minnesota. Their tap room's normal hours of operation are Sunday through Thursday, noon to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday, noon to 10 p.m. They don't have a kitchen, but on the weekends there's likely to be a food truck. And there's lots of little great restaurants in Two Harbors within walking distance. It's a small town, folks. It's not very big. And you're also welcome to bring in your own munchies while you enjoy a pint or two. If you want to know more about what's going on at Castle Danger, check them out on Facebook at Castle Danger Brewery or on their website, castledangerbrewery.com.
2: Calm. Hey, ha da 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 yeah ha hey scale of buco. What's the rumpus?
1: Now it's time for What's the Rumpus with Whoa. Tony. What's going on in the world of craft brewing?
0: Mr. Tony Rehagen on the telephone line from St. Peter's, Missouri. How are you, Tony? Doing well,
3: Alan. How are you
0: doing? Well, you know, last time we spoke. Uh, Last episode, I said, you know, it hadn't been too hot this summer. Well, that's all over.
3: (laughs) Call down the thunder. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah, it's good to be home, really. I mean, I've been home for a little over a week now after being on the road for, geez, I don't know how many days uh, between Wisconsin and then back to Wisconsin and Ontario and Minnesota and then up to Iowa Irish Fest. And uh, you're coming to the Gaelic Storm Show.
3: Yes. Can't wait. I'm really
0: looking. Uh, um, I, you're going to love it. Have you seen them before?
3: I have not. I missed the
0: last one. Oh time. man. I'm going to tell you what you're in for fun and everybody else that's out there listening, you still got a chance to get tickets. Patty Malone's pub.com. Or you can also go over to the Brews traveler Facebook page, check out our events. There's a link there. You can get your tickets. It's going to be a hell of a good party. So, um, this week, uh, before we get into what you've got, I got to tell you a story. Uh, This week, uh, this episode is about Castle Danger Brewing, which is on the north shore of Lake Superior. And I got to thinking about it when I did this interview with Maddie Stewart. uh, She's their marketing director. How many times had I been up to the north shore of Lake Superior, up to the Boundary Waters area? I've been up there 14 times since I was in graduate school over the last 33 years nice yeah the that's only place the only place i've been to more than that is ireland really i ca- i can't think of any other place that i've been to i'm n- i'm not counting going across the count- uh the state line into illinois yeah,
3: you
0: know right. growing up in hannibal i don't count that that's just like going into the next county but uh, right. you know the fur um uh, i don't know if i've ever told you this story i know i've told it to our buddy tom Reichardt, but the first time, Marilee and I were just starting to date. This is in two thousand and two, and I said, uh, "Hey, uh, how about let's go on a trip together?" And she, oh, okay, great. Where we want to? Where do you want to go?" I said, "I said, let's go up to the Boundary Waters in Minnesota for the fishing opener. It'll be beautiful up there, and there won't be a lot of people out. The Boy Scouts won't be out of school yet. You know, it'll be it'll be lovely. We'll be able to. We'll get the canoe. We'll take the dogs. Uh, we had." At that time, we had Andy. I don't know if you remember Andy. The big, I don't remember Andy. Andy was the big goofy lab. And then uh, not, he wasn't as goofy as Yogi, but uh, <laughs> he, he, he was a big goofy yellow lab. And then we had this uh, rescue dog, uh, Mickey. Anyway, um, so we'll take the dogs. We'll go up there. We'll go camping. And uh, it'll just be wonderful. It'll be a wonderful, wonderful trip. So we go up there. We go up to Clearwater, which is where I always go. I've been going there since 86. You know, we got our equipment, we got the canoe loaded, Bob, the guy that was the outfitter, he dropped us off, we were paddling out, and immediately Marilee wasn't now Marilee's not an outdoorsy kind of gal, all right? Mm -hmm. So You know, people were really surprised. And a matter of fact, she was really reticent when I said, hey, let's get an RV. She goes, no, you can't. You tried to take me camping once and it didn't work out. I go, this is completely <laughs> different. And luckily, she enjoyed the RV a lot more, you know. So anyway, we, uh, we got in the canoe. We had all of our gear in there and we just shoved off and... One of the dogs shifted and we went into the water. So luckily Bob was still there. He saw us. He helped us get out and we got on dry clothes, et cetera. We got everything taken care of, got in the boat. It was the coldest fishing opener they'd seen in years. I mean, it was, it was cold. Now up there, it's just absolutely gorgeous pine trees, you know, beautiful lakes, solitude, but it was just absolutely, I mean, at night it was dropping down into the twenties and during the day it wasn't getting much more up into the, you know, the mid forties. And so we got out there and we built this base camp and I gathered a bunch of wood and just, you know, kept a fire going all the time. And as soon as it got dark, all we could do is just go into the tent with the dogs just to get warm, you know, get in the sleep mm-hmm. bags with two dogs, you know, just keep warm and wake up in the morning and the ice, the water, in all of our water vessels, it'd be completely frozen. Well, then one day we woke up and the sun was shining, the blue skies, and it was a nice morning. It's like, oh, this is lovely. And I fixed breakfast and I said, well, let's go out exploring. Let's go, we're on this lake called uh, Alder Lake. Let's go across the lake and look over there at some other campsites and just, you know, just paddle across the lake. So we paddled across the lake, went over to this other campsite went over there, took a picnic lunch with us, took the dogs, let the dogs run around. It was great, it's beautiful. And then we get ready to get in the canoes and we're gonna go around to this other campsite on the other side of the lake. And then these dark clouds start coming in. And then the wind starts to pick up. And Marilee's like, It looks like it's gonna storm. And I said, Yeah, I think it is. And I said, I told her, I said, Okay, we've got one of two choices. We can either go around the la- the edge of the lake, stay very close to the shore. That'll take us about three hours to get around the edge of the lake back to our campsite. Or we can really like it's a half mile across the lake here, we can hump it. All right. And at about, if we can hump it at about four or five miles an hour, we could be over there pretty quickly. And she goes, let's, let's try to do that. Let's, let's try to get across the lake. Well, as soon as we got out very far from the shore, the wind picked up, the white caps were on the water. I had to turn the, luckily I knew how to handle a canoe. I had to quarter turn the canoe we, the rent's coming out of the northwest, these white caps. I got the bow cutting into the waves. And she goes, you're paddling away from the camp. And I go, honey, I've got to do it this way. Look, we'd only known each other here just a little over a year at this time. Again, this is the first trip we'd ever taken out. I was, only know a little, you know, we got to cut this way so we can cut it. If we turn the other way and go straight to the camp, the the waves are going to swamp us. We'll we'll tip over. The dogs are even scared. They're down in the they're down in the deck of the canoe. They're just down there hunkered, shaking. And right. if we'd have tipped the canoe, we'd have been dead. I mean, hypothermia would have taken over. And just, we're out in the middle of this. We're a quarter mile from shore either way. And she's like, do something. Sing a song. Do something. Get my mind off of this. I, I, okay, I'll sing a song. When the legend lives on from the Chippewa hung down of a big lake, the cold get you goomy. She says, sing another song not that song (laughs) sing another song that's
3: absolutely right and and and, and of course
0: we we were we were okay we were okay we we made it out i wouldn't be talking to you right now if we had not Sure. my my superior canoeing skills I tried to convince her of that when we got back <laughs> we got back to camp and we got a fire built I tried to convince her it was my superior canoeing skills that saved us. It was your choice to cut across the lake. I gave us a choice of going around the edge and where it, it really wasn't her fault. I probably <laughs> should have said no we're going to take the long way and be safe uh, It was my fault not hers uh, but at my attempt at humor, it, uh, it it didn't make her laugh. So anyway. right, no, yeah. yeah no, it's,
3: it, sometimes it's a wonder that they stay with us, isn't it? <laughs> it it is.
0: It, it it absolutely is a wonder that they stay with us. I mean, we uh, we. we <laughs> I don't know. I, she she. I don't know. It must be my roguish charm. I don't know.
3: That must yeah. be it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's so
0: awesome. that's my story this week. I had to tell that. I, I, that's great. I, yeah. So uh, what do you got for us? Oh
3: uh, well, actually, something. Uh, what. I was reporting about this time is something that kind of hits close to home too. And it has to do with, uh, with my wife, Erin lately. Uh, I mean, as with everywhere there, I see all these brew pubs popping up all over, uh, all over the area here. And so, um, I feel like it's my duty as a, as a, you know, a drinker to kind of patronize these places, but it's hard to do. I mean, you know, I've got two, two little girls and then things get two, busy. Two you know, little
0: have... adorable and Aww. very precocious young ladies, I will say. <laughs>
3: That's for sure. No, that's for sure. So, I mean, and so just like Marilee was doing with with, with the lake trip, like uh, Aaron, you know, it, it fortunately indulges some of my some of my passions. She, she likes to drink, but she doesn't like beer. But she's kind of got it in her mind to kind of let's go try these places out. And so what we've been doing is we've been taking the girls to these brew pubs, which has kind of a, become a big issue lately because there's a big a big to do about people taking young kids to these, to these brew pubs and these these breweries and it's kind of become an issue. Like some people, people are against it. Some people don't want, you know, they you're taking your kid drinking and other people kind of see that, it, that it's very much a modern thing. You know, and, and when I've taken the girls, you know, we get there, we always call ahead and make sure it's family friendly. But yeah, I mean, you get the stares from the, the guys at the bar. But you know what? Every time we go there, we're rarely the only family there. So you see strollers, you see carries, you see babies. Some places have crayons, some places have board games, and some places even have like a kid's menu for food. And I, there was an article that came out a couple of weeks ago by Steffi Grob Plant from uh, Vox, the online publication, sure. that talked a lot about this. But yeah, so it, it's become a big thing. And the big, big reason why is because, obviously we keep talking about this, you know, with the craft beer explosion, you know, we keep asking, how can this growth continue? How can this growth continue? Well, The answer is you find new consumers, um, and one of which is family. And so a lot of places, uh, a lot of brew pubs have made it really family friendly for, for people to go. And uh, I know you guys at Patty's, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's a scene because you guys are also one of the best eateries in Jefferson city, in central Missouri. And so families want to come there and I've brought the girls there before. So they're, they're our, our
0: philosophy is this. Okay. We don't have high chairs. All right. Right. All right. we don't have booster seats we don't have a kid menu as long as your child comes there and behaves like reasonably well I, I'm, I'm when you're done i'm going to comment as a, as a as a publican what i think the problem is and it's not the kids so anyway go ahead and finish
3: sure well i mean the, the big thing that i keep going to when we talk about this all the time and this is this is something you you talk about is is uh, if you look in context just put it in context it's really the way it's always been done i mean i'm i'm a proud german ancestry i know you're proud of the irish ancestry right and i mean in europe that's what it's it's what people do and even when they came over here when sunday mm-hmm. beer was on the only day that that the working class was off the family went to the beer garden the family went to the beer hall and you know they were there to play while the, while we enjoyed beer and socialized it's a social thing and i mean frankly it was uh you know some kids would have an ale. I mean, right. the laws laws on drinking age in Europe are sixteen to eighteen, if there is an age at all. Making it taboo, you know, villainizing the evil drunken father for you know victimizing his children was was something that was a tactic by the temperance movement that led to prohibition. It was it was very much a propaganda thing against pe- people who came from Europe, against the immigrants, against the, against the the hordes that were invading. Yeah, I mean, uh,
0: from a historical perspective, one of the one of the biggest riots ever in the city of Chicago was the lager beer riots uh, in the 18 early 1850s when yeah. because the Protestant uh, temperance movement city fathers wanted to shut down the uh, German beer gardens on Sunday and yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it was, and I talked about that last week on last, the last episode. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. these Irish and German immigrants who came over in the 1840s and 1850s, Sunday was the day, the social day, because you worked six days a week back then. Sunday right. was the social day. That was the day that families got together. That's the day that friends got together and you went and you had drinks together and you had dinner together. And that's always been the way it is in Europe. And then they come right. over here, and of course, the descendants of the pilgrims—you uh, know—that was a sin to drink on Sunday. Well, th- and that's not the way that it was seen by right. uh, by our our forebears.
3: Well, that's absolutely right. Well, and then that's what's really cool about the craft beer moon. It's just, it's kind of a it's kind of a revolution in the tri- in the real sense of it that it's coming back around to the way it used absolutely.
0: to be. And, absolutely, absolutely
3: where every community had a place that brewed beer. And that's just something that we talked about too, and that, that you've talked about a lot with, with the brewers on the podcast is that it's gone from the, the goal is no longer to, you know, to, to, to sell out and broaden distributorship. In fact, distribution is kind of being reined in and it's more the goal to just open up a place that serves the community um, just like a local business would. And and, and and along with, you know, being walkable, along with being bikeable, the brew pub is a place is a social gathering place in the community, just like a good pub is anywhere. It's about the community and that involves family during, you know, during the appropriate times. And that's kind of the, the, the big thing that, that I walk away from with this is that I understand, I understand the, the the opposing view of it, but to me it comes down to like four basic rules to taking your, your kids to, to a brew pub. Number one, go to a brew pub, a beer hall or a beer garden. Don't go to a cocktail lounge. Don't go to a, a bar and, <laughs> right. and there are and we all know the difference I yeah mean, and the big thing the big thing too is uh, i think number two is go during the day after hours those all yeah. bets are off yeah. you don't want to see somebody you know because because I'm, I'm i'm like other drinkers there, there are times when i want to go to a bar and i want to curse and i want to be you know i want to tell kind of see stories not, not be up too obnoxious well, but i mean be a little more obnoxious than well I'm you know
0: me home. i mean Yeah, Jay Pelzer Pelzer once said he'd like to follow me around with a camera and a microphone and see how many times I say (laughs) in one day.
3: (laughs) You better watch it if you can do that.
0: (laughs) Anyway, yeah. In Ireland, I don't think it's a law, but maybe I think it's just tradition and it's this way in all the pubs. Nine o'clock, the kids go home. Right. right. During the day, the kids are welcome there as long as they behave themselves. So, when I was a kid in Rawls County, you were a kid in Miller County. You know, when you went to the tavern with your family on a Saturday afternoon, because we were always closed on Sunday because of those blue law things, right? Oh, yeah. When you went there on a Saturday afternoon, everybody went to watch the Mizzou football game or whatever, the kids behaved themselves rowdy behavior would not be tolerated and you would but now yep. what here's what I find and I don't I don't see it like we were at Brooklyn Brewery in Brooklyn, New York, in New York City. Mm-hmm. And there were families there with their kids and everybody was so well behaved. The kids were you know, it was like the kids grew up in that and they knew this is how they're supposed to act. What we have happen at the pub is that you can tell that these parents are bringing their kids and they have never taken their kids out into public it seems yeah. like maybe forever and the kids are just running around now your your girls are wonderful and and you guys you can t- obviously tell that you and Aaron have socialized them it's I I equate kids to dogs, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't ever take your dog out into public to meet other people, your dog's going to act like a maniac when you do take it out into public. And kids are the same way. You you have to socialize. I don't have any children myself. There's a reason for that. I I don't know. Uh, But (laughs) if you don't take your kids out when they're young and socialize them to different social environments... They won't know how to act when they go into those environments. Sure. And that's the thing that Germany and Ireland and Poland and Italy and France and England, Portugal, Spain, that's the thing that they've been doing for hundreds of years. That we, as we, you know, the United States kind of came about, we, there were two things that ca- happened the great awakening and then the second great awakening and the development of the united states happened during both of those things so religion just kind of went it just we lost that
3: well and no it's in the socialization is a key part too and that was another one of the of the rules i think is that not only you socialize them in general around people but by taking them to these places you are making you're you're demystifying beer and alcohol. Exactly. In
0: general. You know, when you went when you went off to college and when I went off to college, right? How many kids did you know that had never had a drink before?
3: This was I was just gonna say the yeah. exact same thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean and then because they went the that, monkey love it, snakes on a plane. Yep, went nuts. They didn't know how to drink alcohol. Now that nope. doesn't mean that I didn't absolutely put on a bender now and again. But at least I knew how to drink two beers and say, Okay, I'm done and go yep. back go back to the room and get my studying done. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, and it's, and, and, and it's, it's also, and you remember when I brought the girls to Patty's? Sure. Like they were, they were at the table with us. That was the, that's the other thing. Don't right. just bring them to the pub right. because you want to drink and you can't find a sitter uh, and they, just let yeah, them, yeah. let them do yeah. what they want. Yeah. Sit at the kiddie table, like engage with them, talk with them, like make sure that you make sure they behave, but also, you know, interact with them, help them play the games. Like, don't just be, you know, just don't just go there to drink and, and have the bar be the sitter, so to speak. I will, um,
0: I will say this. I will say this: I see more good parenting than I do bad parenting. But, like all things in our society, those people that are bad actors tend to cloud everything oh, yeah. for those that are good actors, and that's that's everything in society, right?
3: No, that's for sure. That's for you sure. No, nothing, nothing's more, nothing sticks out more than you know, a kid having a fit. I mean, and, and even the best parents in the world. I mean there's no, no parents going to tell you that, 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 that that's been them once, at least once. Yeah. Every parent has been through that experience you know, where their kids don't want to fit and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, and, and depending on where I am, I'm like, I dare you to say something to yeah. me. Like
0: <laughs> <laughs> there, and it happens. I mean, you know, they're, they're not, they're not little droids. I mean, they're going to, nope. you know, they get upset. I mean, that happens, but it's how you as a parent react to it. that That, right. that, that, that makes the difference. What upsets me is that It's okay for parents to bring in their little botulism carriers and just let them run wild through the public place. And there's nothing that I can really do about it other than say, can you please make your child stop? But I can't bring Cody into a place who is one of the most well-behaved dogs in the whole world who would just lay there at my feet and wouldn't make a fuss about anything because it's against the rules it's just right. it's so it's so antiquated it's so victorian it's just it's ridiculous but no, no i think you and i are on the same page i yeah. don't i don't mind children at all i don't mind them at all i just think that the biggest problem is is that a lot of parents indul- overindulge their kids and let them just do a lot of stuff that they shouldn't yeah. be doing in public
3: no i agree with that for sure no absolutely no, I was going to say that, that kind of was my last thing was that that the overall thing is the, the other thing is that if they're with you, lead by example. And that means being mm-hmm. responsible, That's... not only in your behavior, but like, and this is one another reason why I love taking them with me is that when I know when they're with me, I'm not going to overdo it. Like, right. I'm going to have one good beer. I'm right. going to have a couple samples of things. Absolutely, because
0: so gonna... you're a responsible parent. I've, I've seen this before, and I tell you what, it's troubling. It's mm-hmm. very, very troubling. They come in. They, they have dinner. They've got their kids with them. One of the two parents, or maybe both of them, have had too much to drink. And then they get in a car and they drive off. It's very, very, very upsetting. Yeah. And if, you know, you, you, you try as um, as a responsible uh, publican, business owner, to say, mm-hmm. uh, would you like for us to call you an Uber? Would you like for us to call a town? No, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. But, you know... It's, you can only do so much, you know, you know, so no, I think we're in agreement. It's not the kid's fault. It's, uh, it's, it, it, and, and like so many things with, when people say, well, the kids today aren't what they, it's just, it's bad. It's bad parenting.
3: No, I didn't. I mean, you mentioned that. I'm the first to agree with you on the similarities with dogs. Right. Um. I hope it doesn't offend people. But yeah, there's no, there, there I, no I, bad it, dog, there it, are bad
0: owners. It shouldn't offend people because, you know, dogs are probably the most socialized animal that we interact with in the it's in, much, it, Yes. It's and much
3: easier to house train a dog. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, the other reason I like dogs and, this is just a personal preference. I like dogs over kids. All right. Mm-hmm. First off, you don't have to worry about a college savings plan for a dog. And then they <laughs> they won't they won't take you to jail if you put them in a crate. So. <laughs> Tony Rehagan. Thank you, buddy. Nice. We, we've thank gone you. over this week. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening and indulging us as we ranted away. But, yes, kids good. Bad parents bad. Uh, Tony, I'll talk to you next time. And I'll see you for Gaelic Storm.
3: Sounds good. I can't wait. All
0: right, take care, my friend. All right, Take out. All right, bye bye. Bye-bye.
1: You've been listening to the Bruise Traveler. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or check out our website, the Cheers. Thank
0: you, Jessica, and cheers to you, everyone out there, and thanks for listening to the podcast. Please follow us over on Facebook and Instagram at the Bruce Traveler Podcast. Send me a message over there if you have any questions, suggestions, ideas, please let me know. Or if you'd rather, send me an email. Cheers at the Bruce Traveler.com. Please go over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, a glowing review. Yeah, I mean, we need the love. We really need The soundtrack for The Brews Traveler is so graciously provided by our friends Gaelic Storm. And I can't wait to see the guys. They're going to be here in two weeks. Uh, They're getting, after this weekend, they're getting some much-deserved time off, like 10 days or so. And they'll be here in Jefferson City on August 29th. You can get your tickets at pattymalonespub.com. And if you are coming to the concert, drop me a message. Let's get together and have a beer while you're here. You can check out what else the band is up to over at their website, GaelicStorm.com. Marketing consultation provided by Mission Digital Marketing. So until next time, if I don't see you at the pub or at your local tap room, I'll see you right here on the podcast. Drink locally, think globally, take care of each other, take care of the earth. It's everything we've got. And Lee, as always, you are the measure of my dreams. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. So long. Just a while
2: One hundred days at sea I at away from misery. Rummies and rats and tarry jacks, my only family. The island of salvation is still a scream away. As the lungs of night blow out the light, my heart kneels down to pray. Oh Lord, I oh, did you take her? She meant so much to me. Now a wretched soul and a privateer, grounded out. Frozen fire She had the loyalty of a cat. Behind those pale green eyes And through her cherry lips The devil slipped a thousand Lies A clan of rogues and vagabonds Occupied her head That thieving band took her pale white hand Stole her from my bed Like a ghost ship in the night She drifted out once more To land upon the sand I'm another lover, shore oh, Lord, my dear, The Lord, I did the take. She meant so much to me. Now a wretched soul and a proud. that will haunt me till I die When those winds of vanity No longer blow the west I pray they'll guide home And put my heart to rest A press can fill the man-of-war To make the blackmouth cannon roar Now all my trade is born and blade, But forevermore That sting of salt and spray The ocean's hound and sprawl A stumbling red-eye on the deck. Soul on a private, down and out of sea. I'm killing and I'm drinking. My blue heart to black. But I swear, oh Lord, I'll never sin again if you bring her back. I swear, oh Lord, I'll never sin again if you bring her back.
0: So we beat on. Boats against the current, born back ceaselessly into the past. F. Scott Fitzgerald, author of The Great Gatsby. Born September 24, 1896, St. Paul, Minnesota. Died December 21, 1940, Hollywood, California.